This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Get me back my It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all Coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat. You'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in. Pull up a chair and grab you a slice. Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed. Cannot be described. Cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. All right, folks. This is once again Cinema Degeneration. I am your host, Cameron Scott, and bringing back uh, our episode one co-host, Tom Commissar. How are you doing today, Tom? Doing great, my friend. Good and great. Looking forward to it. Love this movie. Yeah, and uh, we are what officially in week six, week seven of quarantine. I don't want to talk about it too much, but we've been in, all been in our uh, COVID quarantine for about a month and a half now, and I wouldn't say I'm enjoying it, but I've uh, acclimated to it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I was uh, out for a little bit, and then uh, they called me back to work, so I have rejoined the the outer people. So we're uh, I'm out there in that world. Go back and forth. You're essential now. I'm essential again. You know, so yeah, it's a it's it's been a trip, man. It's a, you know, it's like I said, I was off for about a month, and that was kind of weird. And going back to work. Yeah, so I feel like I've been in training for this for uh, since about like 1985. I've been a recluse since since I was about 10 years old. You know, so especially I'm in recent home- years. I'm a homebody. I like staying home. You know, but by choice. <laughs> you know, you know. If I want to go somewhere, I want to be able to go somewhere. But uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, man. Things are happening. You just got to roll with the punches, and you know, we'll all get through it. Yep. So, so everybody out there, uh, in the last COVID talk we'll have is, I'll say this is, uh, wash your hands, stay home, stay safe, and uh, you know, take care of each other. And that, yes. and that's all I'll say about that. But getting into our movie here at the Grindhouse Pizzeria segment. We are going to be talking Pieces by J.P. Simone, a 1982 film that's a, often called a slasher, but I like to call it a, a giallo. 
it, uh, my, I know, I know that's usually reserved for our more Italian fare is, uh, is technically a slasher, but it has a lot of yellow elements to it. At least I feel it does. I mean, it's got, you know, killer in black gloves. It's, it's shot with a lot of slow motion. The gore and the effects are fantastic and outlandish and wild. But, uh, again, tomato, tomato, uh, but J.P. Simone, he directed this. For I'm trying to remember the name of uh, the the company. I think it was Film Ventures International. But uh, let's go ahead and give it the uh, opening uh, IMDb synopsis, which is very short. Let's read as follows: The co-eds of a Boston college campus are targeted by a mysterious killer who's creating a human jigsaw puzzle from their body parts. And that's pretty fair. Very simple, very short and sweet, but uh, that's pretty much the entire plot of the film. There's not really much more to that, is, is there? Uh, that's it in a nutshell. And I agree with you uh, about the, the giallo uh, uh, field of the movie. This, this particular movie, you know, is like, I'm probably going to say this about every movie we talk about. This one has a special place in my heart. But what I like about this movie, I really do, is is to me, when this is actually released in 82, but it actually didn't come out in America to 83. And uh, in Los Angeles is when it first came out. So, But that was in the golden age of, of these kind of movies. And to me, this is definitely a slasher. But because we kind of see slashers... Has like always got to have the masked figure that you know didn't say anything. You know your Jasons and your Michaels and stuff like that. So this, right. but 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 you know, but this definitely has that feel of the Giallo with the yeah the black gloves and the you know it's not like some. But there's a backstory of course, but it's not it's 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 not you know like the ones that you kind of think of slashers. This is but this is definitely a slasher it's, in my book. It's but not it, your but atypical it, but it's, slasher. But it's it, not that, well, I, at all. No, not at all. But it, but it definitely has its, uh, um, it, it definitely has that kind of European feel to it because it, well, it kind of was European. It was filmed in Spain, uh, mm-hmm. which was most, doubling for Boston. Right. <laughs> they did exterior. They did some exterior stuff in Boston to make it look like Boston. But they they had filmed about four weeks in Spain, then they filmed an additional week. Um, I don't know if I'm assuming it was in Spain. That's where the director from that they did. Uh, and then they did an additional week, uh, just to do the effects. And, uh, that's how they got that all set up. But it's definitely uh, like a kind of, it, I agree with you. It's giallo, but it's definitely the slasher giallo kind of, a, a kind of a hybrid. And, and, and it's, it's, it is one of my favorites. Um, because like, again, back in the drive-in days, this was that kind of movie, man. It was, what was what was cool about this and we can go and uh, to me really uh that opening scene and i'm sure you'll agree with me and most people that know this movie would do that opening scene is so good uh that starts out it's, it's crazy past, it's a it's, crazy it's, opening scene. i mean it, it's just it's it gives you it's almost like they can show the opening scene and then end the movie and you'd be happy it's like it's so good it starts out you know the young kid timmy He's 10 years old and he's building a puzzle and the puzzle is of a nude woman. just, you know, kind of looks like an old playboy poster. You know, he's just this woman standing there. Right. Yeah. Playboy penthouse kind of thing. 
Yeah, nothing too crazy. She's just a beautiful girl standing there, uh, a nude puzzle, and the and his mother comes in and catches him, and of course she freaks out, and uh, you know just can't believe that you know she you know this filthy puzzle you know is, is just drove her over the edge. Obviously she's overbearing and crazy, and she goes nuts on. The oh, kid. you get that idea within a matter of seconds. You get the idea that this. Poor kid has been beaten right. and abused his entire life. Yeah. That he, he, he probably already has issues just from the way that she reacts. She like totally uh, goes all, uh, you know, Carrie White's mom on him. Oh yeah, this isn't the first time he's gone through this stuff. You can tell. And I mean, and then of course, you know what he does after she destroys his puzzle, which is a wonderful. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Which. Oh, it's, it's, well, let's just base, well, you know, like uh, we've said on the previous episode, some of these movies have been out, you know, for 35, yeah. 40 years, like, like this one. So we're not really spoil, we're spoiling anything. Well, we are, but, you know, if you haven't seen it at this point, you it's know, have enough. For, for, for anybody that's, that's a, that's a new viewer that is, has uh, never seen this film before, I suggest you stop the podcast now, watch the movie and come back. From this point forward, we are definitely spoiling everything. Uh, the opening scene, okay, like you were just saying with the, <laughs> the poor kid doing the puzzle, uh, you know, of a nude woman, and then his mother comes in and just flips her shit and, like, destroys everything, smacks him around, tells him to go get a garbage bag, and she's going to throw all his stuff away. I mean, she I, threatens to kill him, literally threatens, like, she's like, you little dirty little bastard, if I catch you doing anything like this again, I'll kill you. And it's like, Wow, you know, overreact much, <laughs> right? But uh, then the kid, you think he's going to get a garbage bag, and he comes back with an axe and just like that, just axes his mother to death, just cuts her into pieces, and it's very yeah. gory, very graphic. What's cool about that is what I love about the scene is okay, hitting your mom in the head with an axe. Already, that's just like enough. You know, he kills her with the axe, but then he <laughs> then he hacksaws her. He's there, now he's got a hacksaw, and then he's right, cut yeah, yeah. Pieces. Like, <laughs> so it's like, it oh my god, that we just started the movie. <laughs> he's already hacking her up, and so yeah, and that's already more graphic than most movies get. You know, uh, right. in a horror movie from beginning to end. You know, and it's just like, I mean, he's. Sawing her to pieces, covered in her blood. He does everything but like eat part of her. Really, you know, the movie could end right, like you said before. The movie could end right there, and be like, okay, as a horror fan, I'm satisfied. Now, what's beautiful about the kid himself and the way this was written and filmed and all that is not only did he just kill his mother. Now we get to see his sociopathic, psychopathic tendencies when. The, the the neighbor or whatever whoever it is they find out that you know the kid something's going on they get she gets the cops and then the cops come up there they come upstairs and they're looking for you know Timmy where's poor Timmy you know and they walk into the room and you know and they see this this blood everywhere and it's just, just god awful scene they open a closet and they find the mother's head you know sitting there and then. Uh, and then, of course, the screaming. You know, and then you find out he's making noise. I think in the closet, and that's when he starts playing up the "Where's mommy? Where's mommy?" Oh yeah, remember that? Remember that? Plays so, like, perfectly. 
he's looking like he makes it seem like he was in the closet and they tortured him and where's his mother he, you know he knows that well where she is but and so that saves him the cops hugging him like you know it's gonna be okay son you know something like that and then we'll you take know, care of you <laughs> we'll take care of you right and then uh you know i mean so that's the start of the movie we've already set it up now now we jump 40 years now we're in boston college I don't know if it's Boston College, but we're on a co- college in 1980s because uh, it's supposedly. Yeah, I think we should mention, though, that, you know, the movie does open in 1942 in Boston before we yes. make the, the time jump to 82. Yes, that is yeah, correct. So that is so 40 years now. And now we're now we're in Boston 40 years later. And uh, you know, we've got the, the classic. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, it opens on this this college campus, and one of the first things you see, which makes no sense, it, 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 I mean, I love it, I love it because it's the the way it's shot. But there's a girl, you know, uh, roller skating, a roller girl, as was very prevalent in the late '70s, early '80s. She's, you know, rolling around and she's heading kind of downhill for trouble because you see that it's almost like a Three Stooges skit. A couple of guys are emptying uh, a big, you know, like four foot by eight foot mirror that they're taking oh, out of yeah. the back of a truck. And then she just crashes into it, which is very symbolic because there's a part in the opening scene with the mother and the, and the son where she's smashing everything in his room. And then there's a slow-mo shot where she's uh, smashing his uh, mirror to pieces. So it's very symbolic, but it makes no sense because the, the, it, it's just so random. But the movie itself overall is very lucid. Is a very uh, dreamlike kind of movie. You always feel like you're not quite in reality. It's a very lucid s- storytelling. You know, from the scene that we start with, with the, the the son axing his mother to death, sawing her pe- her body to pieces, and and let, let's before we even get too far ahead of ourselves and get into the college material, he also has time to put most of the puzzle back together before the cops and the neighbors shows up. Oh, you know, yes. Right. You're right. <laughs> right. He's like, okay, I'm going to put this puzzle back together that she just smashed and threw around in pieces. He, he's good enough to put the puzzle back together before he hides her body and puts her head in the closet and everything. Yes. <laughs> it was so ridiculous, but just, again, one of the many things that I love about it. And, and again, with the mirror and all that stuff, that's kind of like, that's what I like about it. that's That's the, like, the European-type influence instead of just a straightforward... You know, uh, you know, that's got all these little things that that European movies have that have that kind of the giallos, you know, the kind of things that kind of make you think, you know, why, why is that in there? And you got to think about it for a minute. And uh, and that and yeah, that was I'm glad you brought that up. I, I had thought of that. But yeah, I remember that mirror scene. You're kind of like, huh? You know, like, what you know, and then but they don't <clears throat> they don't let you dream for long because they go pretty much right into it and well, they're on the campus. And of course, we will oh, yeah. find out what's going on later. But right off the bat, right off the bat, you know, they set it up like, you know, this like it's some worker or something going on. And this poor girl is sitting there on the lawn, you know, reading a book and doing her homework, you know, the, the thing. And this guy comes out. And of course, now we've got the chainsaw. And now we're in. And, and even the tagline <laughs> of the movie is you don't have to go to Texas. For a chainsaw massacre, so they so now they've introduced the right, chainsaw. Right, right. They played heavily on that one liner, didn't right. they? Right. 
yeah, so they now we you know we're chainsawing it from here on out pretty much. There's some more stuff with a knife, but um, uh, yeah, so, so most, mostly chainsaw action in this. Right. So now we find out. We'll find out later. But if you look at the killings as they go down, you'll realize what the killer's doing. But right now, uh, <clears throat> the uh, very very cool decapitation scene with the chainsaw i mean it's 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 fantastic and it's in and it goes quick but it's like it sets that kill up and it's like wow you know like it just and then you're just i remember you know when you're watching this stuff like in the driving or i mean and the reactions of people in their cars and and stuff like that you're like, ah! you know, like people are like oh my god because it's 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 brutal and then you know then it's just, oh, it pulls you know, no punches yeah i mean it's just right there in your face and you're just like you know, like, holy shit, you know, so now the head, you know, the head's gone, and now, so now we've got the police, you know, and, and, and stuff, you know, and now we start introducing the characters, and, uh, and then we've got the great cop, uh, Christopher George, the Lieutenant Bracken, um, he plays a great oh, cop, yeah. and, then, and then his wife. And he's was, in a lot of these films, he's yeah. in a lot of this era, late 70s, early 80s, European uh, horror films. He was in a couple of, you know, Fulci and Argento movies. Now, let's, now that we're talking about the mm -hmm. castle, you got Frank Banna. You'll see him as Sergeant Holden. And then there's a couple other people. And of course, Linda Day George, who plays, uh, t they put a tennis pro in there to be an undercover cop. <laughs> she plays a character named Right, Mary right. That's odd, but, but it also, works. also but you, only, be only because uh, she's the detective's wife well right, in, in, yeah, real, yeah. in real in real in real, in real life, life i mean right uh, right, right george and linda day but uh and, yeah, and you know uh, christopher george is, is great in this he he's he's not a good cop but because no. <laughs> he's not really a good cop but he he plays a good hard ass it's his voice this is the sound of his voice too he's got the he's just got that kind of smoky i smoked tons of cigarettes for breakfast kind of a fuck yeah voice and it's great I, I mean i love his cadence you know it's perfect for a movie like this it's it's cheesy and it's and it's and he, he was great i he was one of my favorite characters I, I i love watching him in this thing but i gotta bring up somebody real quick before we get back to all the kills paul mm -hmm. l smith paul l smith i think in, in the first kind of those scenes at the school he plays Willard, and he's the groundskeeper of the janitor, and he's the he's the red herring. You know, he's the guy that we're gonna make everybody oh, think yeah. is him. You know, it's him. Now, what I love about him, if you know Paul Smith, the name, he's the guy who played uh, uh, Bluto in uh, in uh, yeah, in, uh, the Robin Williams version of Popeye. Yeah, about nineteen eighty uh, movie with uh, yeah, uh, Robin Williams as Popeye, the Popeye movie, and. Uh, and uh, his, if you if you remember, uh, I don't know when's the last time you saw this movie, but if you remember, <laughs> Paul Smith, the minute he hits the screen, I start laughing because it's like it's like he's like playing the same character, you know, like because you know he's obviously oh, yeah. getting pissed, annoyed at everybody because you know he knows like he's like, and then so he's lifting well, he's the eyebrows. He's growling at everybody. He's sneering at everybody. He's giving them the like the world class side eye, you know. Right. <laughs> he's acting just like well, it was Bluto, right? He played. Yeah, he was. 
And he and he did the same fucking, you know, it was like he was acting like the same character. You know, it, it was just like, you know, with the with just the, the grimaces on his face and lifting the eyebrow and giving her oh, yeah. And it's great. It's he's, like it's so it's it's so funny. And he's and he's 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 a, it's a it's really fun to watch his him on this because it's so shitty. <laughs> like it's just funny. Well, you know? it's, it's just you know it's so obvious that he's supposed to be a red herring. It's like because you know everybody's looking at this guy is the first dude everybody should and would look at to be the killer. This big mean and, nasty guy who's giving everybody dirty looks and sneering and gesturing violently with everybody. You know, and it's just like oh come on you're. Posturing just a bit there, too bit too much there, Bluto. You almost, <laughs> but he's great. You're expecting like somewhere on the screen is put the flash, you know, red herring, red herring. You know, like it's just, yeah. you know, like it's like tell you know, it's so obvious. But he's great, and of course, uh, so we start going down the list of things that happening, and they're doing the investigation. And they get a student. Uh, I think it's Iron uh, Ian, rather. Uh, Sarah, who plays Kendall, and he's yep. like the he's like the fresh faced little high school kid that's going to help them figure out who this guy is. And of course, you know the you know some people obviously think it's you know Willard, uh, Paul Smith, and the other, yeah, I, yeah. As they go down the kill list, you find out we're going to find out that this whoever's killing you, he's collecting pieces, parts of of a woman's anatomy. Uh, because you'll see, like as in, like when he kills the girl at the swimming pool, he kills her uh, with a chainsaw, and then they go back, and then like there's, and then there's like parts everywhere, but the torso is gone. So now he's got a head, he's got a torso. Right. And well, then that, the way the movie is paced is really interesting because I I enjoyed on, on a visceral kind of level. It would go from the kill scene, and then it would be these close up random shots of the killer putting the puzzle back together, the same blood splattered puzzle from the opening in 1942. So, you know, like he kills one, one victim takes her head and he's putting the pieces of the puzzle back together. So they're never, you know, it's obvious what he's doing. He, he, he's building something. He's creating a, a, you know, another person, another thing, but they're never showing it to you. They're, 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 you know, they're showing him taking the parts but you know, you never right. see him putting anything together other than the puzzle, which I thought was right. very sim that's, symbolic. It was very symbolic. That's what I like about that because even you know, I remember you know when you're watching this thing, you're not really thinking about that. You're not putting two and two together yet, and the fact they don't show you know some place where a you know a body part's being lined up with another body part, you know, you don't think about that. He's just people getting killed and and you know mutilated, and that's what you're seeing. Uh, but they do a nice setup with the guy in the gloves pulls down a box. Remember the box where he takes the lid off yeah. and he pulls his mother's shoes that are all covered in blood and they've been in this box. Yeah, for like it was her shoes years. and her dress, wasn't it? A dress, and then uh, yeah, and 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 uh, and so they it's they start setting that up like he's collected these things, so they're they're building the story of you know what's going on and these shoes play an important part. At some point, you know, like, and, um, and okay, so they do another really good kill as they're like trying to figure out, uh, you know, as, as the bodies start to pile up, you know, they're getting more and more freaked out, uh, uh, like what's going on. Of course, you know, 
Lieutenant Bracken and Sergeant Holden running around trying to figure it out. And, and they've got this and kind it, of creepy... And it's so improbable that the cops themselves, you know, can't figure figure out what's going on by any of the clues and who's responsible for it. So they get that, you know, Kendall character, the student, to help them. And he, he he's not very much help. <laughs> he's not. Right. There's, there's like a whole long scenes of them eating Wendy's takeout, which was I thought was really weird product placement for Wendy's in 1982 to have that in here. But uh, it, it's so ridiculous, but it's so entertaining at the same mm-hmm. time. What's cool, too, now, now about this point, they throw that second red herring at us, which is that that Professor Brown. Uh, uh, Pres- Arthur Brown, yeah. Arthur Brown, yeah. Jack Taylor was the actor. And he's just kind of this, you know, young kind of, you know, thinks he's hip, I guess, kind of guy. You know, he's got the tie Very on. Very aristocratic. Like, yeah, you know, he's kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. Kind of looks like he's kind of snooty. You know, and then, of course, right off the bat, you hate him. And, you know, and they think, oh, you know, because he's acting, they've got, I mean, he's acting strange. So, you know, so obviously the cops are looking at him like, oh, so where were you then on that night? Or whatever, you know, stupid shit like that or whatever. And so, you know, so now they're trying to throw that at Like, oh, maybe it's him, you know. So they so they, they set that up. And then uh, we get into uh, uh, that other, the next kill where, they got the girl that's been rehearsing. Uh, she's dancing and she's rehearsing, and then yeah, she... I have the disco. Aer- I called it the disco aerobic scene. Exactly, and then she goes into an elevator, and uh, and then of course uh, that's when she gets another you know chainsaw, obviously, and they do it. This is a great. This is a great kill scene. Which the the chainsaw comes up. And it's like a shot from down low, looking up, and they ch- and the, the her arms are sawed off, and it, that's a fucking really good scene. Another good FX scene, you know. Where you're just like, oh fuck, you know, and like you know. Her arms yeah, because get- the angle they chose was really that that low angle that looking up as the chainsaw's coming down. I, I'm looking for the the special effects split. You know, I'm looking for like where's the fake right. arm, where's right. the where's real the arm at, right. and it's. <laughs> It's very fluid. It's very good. Oh yeah, and, and it's it's and uh, so you know now yeah exactly and 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 uh, and uh, the, what's what's cool then I wanted to mention another killer. I'm looking over my notes because I was like oh now they've got a reporter in this thing. Uh, uh, Sylvia Costa is the, I think the reporter's name in this thing. Now you remember the waterbed scene? Yes. <laughs> Waterbed was... scene is 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 weird because you're talking about like we're talking about stylistically speaking, this definitely has like a European kind of feel to it, just the way it's done. Uh, this isn't the chainsaw type thing. He doesn't collect the body part, I don't think, off of her on this one. But this girl's laying on no, a No, I don't on, think he does. At least that they don't they don't show uh the killer taking a, think... a, a body part. Yeah, I think this one is just a straight up murder. I don't remember everything behind the whole thing, but but this this is this isn't a this is a really cool murder because when the killer the killer uses basically like a big butcher knife, it looks kind of like you know same knife like a Halloween in Halloween, just your standard, mm-hmm. you know, cutting standard knife. Michael Myers special. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, 
and he does a thing where he rams the knife through the back of her head and it comes out of her mouth, which is cool. But then he's, he's stabbing her and she's like going up and down on this waterbed and the blood is mixing in with the water. So she's kind of like, it's almost right. like it, it, she's in this frame. Again, very, very dreamlike, very, very colorful because, you know, when the blood starts mixing with the water and it's just pink and red splashing up everywhere in this like glorious slow motion where everything is just the glint of the light off the, the knife and the way the blood splashing up in slow motion is very artistically done. It's it's the only the kind of style that you can describe as being very European. Yes, I I that's exactly what I was gonna say. And even when he takes her and he starts dragging her off, it's kind of slow, and they end the scene with that, and he's pulling her out of the water bed, you know, and all that water in there. It's kind of like it's weird because it's like in an apartment. Yeah, this is like water scene, you know. It's like it's weird. It's it's very cool. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of water sim- symbolism in the movie because uh, one of the other kills the 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 previous chainsaw kill was uh done in a pool or poolside you well, know yeah, so it's poolside, yes uh, and, a, and, really uh, weird and speaking of waterbeds there's there's a line and i have i have to mention this only because it's my favorite line of the entire movie it's i always pick a line that's just the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard or ever read and there's a part where a bunch of students are just randomly standing in a hallway smoking dope None of the administration seems to care, but they're just hem-hawing around, and this girl hit, takes a hit off a joint and says, the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. And it's, ah. it's so fucking ridiculous. It's something you would only hear in in a film that was taking place in 19, 1982. Ah. You know, only in 82 <laughs> would you hear a fucking line like that. It's ridiculous, I love, and I love it for it. Uh, that that is classic, and I I used to have a waterbed, and it's fucking weird. You gotta get. So did I. Oh, so God. did I. It's fucking weird. You, you gotta get. Uh, I don't want to get into, but you gotta like you know you gotta get the thing in there where the water gets heated up, or you freeze your dick off, man. It gets cold as shit. But it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, they were they were not a they were just a fad. I know they still make them, but they're they were just a fad, and I think uh, the late seventies, early eighties, really. Uh, uh, placated that kind of thing. I, I, I don't know. And I, I think back and I'm just like, I only had a waterbed because somebody gave it to me. And I'm just like, oh, wow, nice waterbed. And I'm like, I think I That's just, had it for like two weeks. And I'm like, I don't like this at all. Not a single bit. That's where I got mine. I think somebody sold it to me for like 50 bucks. Somebody knew like, hey, you know, it was all drained and they'd use it. And I said, oh, yeah, I want a ah, cool waterbed. And I was like, oh, fuck, what did I do? You know, like his thing was. Uh, oh, okay. So now we got the locker room girl, and this is another good yep, kill. locker room girl. <laughs> she gets sawed in half, and this is when Reese steals her legs. And there's an interesting scene too, where you start to see like some of the weirdness from this killer. There's a scene where a girl's hung up, and her feet are dangling, and any he tries to get the feet inside his mother's shoes. And that's when you see like, okay, he's got some weird, some weird going other, not that it's not weird enough, but now it's like, you know, he's trying to get these shoes to fit on the feet and you're like, okay, so what's going on? Okay. So he's, you know, fetishing 
you know, weird, kind of weird, like what's going on. And of course the feet don't fit. So he needs, uh, he, he needs to find some feet. <laughs> and this is where. This is how ridiculous it is. This is like, okay, now onto the, 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 the foot victim. Right. So now he doesn't, you know, obviously nobody says that, but you find out what he's trying to do uh, throughout the story. We we're kind of glossing over here, but they've got the Dean throughout the story of the school Dean, Dean Foley, Edmund, uh, uh, was it Perdoe? Perdoe? And, uh, and, uh, uh, he, he, he's, uh, he's pretty cool in the movie. He's your typical school Dean. He's trying to help out and, you know, with the police, very cooperative and, you know, and he's, and, uh, and, yeah, he's, uh, usually, he's the, kind of the opposite of what you usually find in somebody that, that plays like the school dean kind of character. Usually they're a hard ass and they oppose the police at any level, but he's very compliant. Now, before which, we get which, into which this. Which is weird because where we end up. Right, exactly. Well, this is, this is cool. But before we get there, I got to bring up something that you and I were laughed about. Before we get too far, oh, I know, I know what's coming, yeah. sir. I know what's you know what coming. <laughs> okay, there is a scene in the movie, and for those of you who have seen this movie, you know what we're talking about. It is so unnecessary and so ridiculous. There is a scene where uh, it, who's who's in this before the character comes in. Who's in the scene again? Is that? that uh, it was just um, it was the Mary Riggs character, Linda Day's. Uh, uh, Mary Riggs, yeah, character. she's right. Yeah, Mary Riggs, the the tennis player slash undercover police officer. Right. She's just wandering around campus looking for a killer with her gun out. <laughs> and then, so we see it right. Exactly. Okay, that's it. I've, I've forgotten this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this Bruce Lee kind of. You know, which is actually Bruce Lee. Lee is L.E., the guy who does Bruce Lee stuff, that actor. Well, didn't yeah, he do, it. like, the My Name is Bruce movies, or he did yeah. something like that? Well, yeah, and there was... They wrote him in. The reason why it's so ridiculous is they actually wrote him in last second to throw... They just threw him in there real quick. And I know you see the scene, you go, oh, really? <laughs> I guess it's so yeah. bad. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody could ever watch this scene and not go, oh, this was just thrown together. Right, right. And, you know, he basically comes in, he does some kicks at her, and, you know, just does a bunch of stupid shit. Yeah, he... it's all very, uh, very wacky and weird and very yeah. comical for an otherwise right. serious film. Right, and you think it's, you know, maybe in a comedy, a straight comedy, that might have worked, but it wasn't even all that funny. He falls, it, he falls on his face, and now he's, you're, everybody, she's looking down on him. And we're wondering, okay. Well, 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 let's let's back up one second. He's come out doing all these jump kicks and spin kicks and crescent kicks, and she falls down and does the most laziest kick to the balls I've ever seen, and he just falls. Yeah, that, down. That's right. That's I think that's what they were trying. I think that's what they were trying to say. But like the kick misses by a mile, so it looks like he just falls on his face for no reason whatsoever. So he's sitting there, and you're thinking, okay. What's he gonna do now? Because he's not dead. So what's he? What what's up his sleeve? Like, and obviously this is not the killer. Well, why are we watching this? And then he jumps up. Yeah. What what? Somebody yeah. mixed reels in this movie. All of a sudden, it feels like. <laughs> so he jumps up, and it's like, she's like, oh, you know, and then he goes, oh, must have had some bad chop suey, and then he walks off, and that's the last you see him. Yeah. 
Well, 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 what happens? The, the 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 Kendall character shows up, and he's like, "Oh, that's our kung fu instructor. What's he doing laying on the ground?" It is so ridiculous. It's like, where did this guy? And he does. He does the whole. Oh, I must have had some bad chop suey. Okay, bye bye now. And he just like waves and smiles and walks away as if he didn't just leap out of the bushes, try to attack a woman, kick her gun out of her hands, get kicked in the balls, and then collapse. It, it, it's it's not so much of what happened as how he fucking reacts to it that makes it that much more ridiculous. Now I now what they should have done, obviously, what do I know? But what they should have done is they should have they could have wrote a cool scene for him to actually fight the killer, and then he could have got maybe killed the the kung fu guy. You know, like you know, it would have been kind of cool to see the kung fu expert, you know, doing kicks and all kinds of shit. And like maybe kicking the chainsaw out of his hand or doing something, <coughs> it would have been kind of cool. right. Yeah, like if if after he, you know, left that scene, if they would have followed the the kung fu guy and had him actually run into the killer that that uh, the girl was looking for, and then you know, like, yeah, like you said, dying, uh, doing kung fu battle with him or, or something, or right. you know, and. It, but they would have given his character some, some purpose and some meaning and whatnot. But no, they didn't do that. One scene, boom, one and done. Yeah, that's too bad because that would have been a cool thing to have a kung fu fight, you know, with the with the killer. But they didn't do it. But eh, it's it's okay. We forgive him. It's but it's funny. But it, it's dumb as fuck. But hey, you know, it, gives it does you make you every time I see it, I do a double take. Even if I'm alone, I look around the room for somebody to look at and go, "What the fuck was that?" What did I just that's see? Why you, that's <laughs> why you need, to watch it. you need to watch it with somebody so you can look at him and go, why? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what What the fuck were they thinking? They weren't thinking. They just had this guy that thought, like, hey, we're going to have a, a scene with 30 seconds of Kung Fu. And we'll, you know, that's just, just it. Some, somebody came to the producer and said, do we have the money to spend on this? And somebody said yes. <laughs> that's all I can figure. A money man said, "Yeah, we this movie needs something. You know what it needs? Kung Fu." Hey, he's in town. Let's use him. Right, right. And I'm sure it was something not that far off from the facts. That's probably exactly what happened. So now we're we're kind of building up. Uh, yeah, we're getting closer towards the end. We're about what two thirds through the film at this point. We're basically we've got uh, just cheesy line after cheesy line. Uh, Lieutenant Bracken is frustrated as hell. He just can't seem to get what the hell is going on. Nobody can. Nothing's making sense. Uh, well, nothing's adding up. All they know is somebody's killing girls on campus and they're taking body parts, and that's really all they have. Right. And then, so at some point in this movie, uh, the well, we, well, I guess we come to the point of discovery and and very is with uh, Dean uh, Dean Foley. And uh, so right. she, she's with the Dean, and, you know, he's, because I guess... He's you know, acting a little, he's acting a little weirder than usual, I guess you could say. <laughs> he's making he's making tea, I think. He's making tea for her. Yep, he's, he's making them tea and coffee. And, and uh, he puts something in her drink. You don't ever quite see like what it is. It's never close enough to read this little vial, but he puts a little, a, a little some something, in her drink. It's right. obvious it's something. This it's not sugar, <laughs> it's not creamer. Right. But, uh, and, 
And so she's drinking it, and we know something's going to happen. And then uh, she, all of a sudden, she starts to feel it. And we can't, we realize, that she realizes that she can't move. She can still, you know, talk, and, you know, she's just sitting there, and she can't move her body. And then this is when it's exposed. Now he starts, you know, he starts revealing what's going on, and he lifts her legs up, and he's making sure that her feet are going to fit the sh- mama's shoes. <laughs> yeah, and, that's it. When he's when he pulls and, out the shoes, and that's when you realize. Well, you realize a little bit before then what's going to happen, but when he pulls out the shoe, it's just like, okay, he's going to hack her feet off. Now, fortunately for her, it didn't it didn't get to that. Uh, our heroes. Yeah, Mary uh, escapes by the skin of her teeth. Right, and our heroes show up finally. They they kind of figure it out that uh, Dean Foley is actually uh, Timmy from forty years ago, and uh, and so they they get they get to the place, and uh, we're 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 coming up right toward the end here now, and to me this is one of the coolest scenes. In the movie, we've got the kid Kendall. He's there, and then you've got uh, Sergeant Holden. Um, uh, he's kind of like in. Remember in like uh, Police Squad, George Kennedy, his character to the Leslie Nielsen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To like Leslie that guy. Yeah, yeah. So Sergeant Holden's kind of like the George Kennedy. You know, he's in, he's always in the he's scene. Just a, and, he's yeah. just a good, very efficient sidekick. Right, he's the sidekick, and he's doing sidekick things, and and he uh, cleaning up the crime scene, the stuff that the, right. the hero of the movie doesn't want to do. <laughs> right. Uh, what, what's it? Uh, the hero. Oh, now um, uh, the dean gets shot in the head, doesn't he? The dean. Yeah, gets... because well, well, the dean is about to start hacking and slashing on the the Mary character, and our cops come in with Kendall and Christopher George just point blank shoots him with one shot right to the head, blows his brain. Pops him, right, pops him right in the forehead and drops him. And then, so yeah, that's how that, then that's, so now the crime scene, she's okay. You know, all oh, the killer's dead. Oh my God, this is all weird shit and everything's great. Now this, now this scene is, I remember when I first saw this, this is a pretty fucking wicked scene. Now, yes, Sergeant Holden, yeah. It's all wrapping up, like, oh, okay, it's going to be a happy ending. He, like, pushes accidentally on a shelf. Well, like, he leans, like, shelf. on a bookcase or something, on a wall, yeah, like a shelf a book or bookcase. <laughs> it, it flips around, like there's a hidden room back there or something. Now we see what the, the dean has been working on, his nearly completed puzzle of this woman's torso with all the different body parts he's been stealing. They're all sewn together. And it's just creepy. The makeup, just the way it's the the girls painted up to do it, and then, and then you can see the arms where it looks like it's they've been stitched on, and it's just like kind of this Frankenstein. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very Frankenstein slash Frankenhooker kind of look. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really. I mean, so they kind of it's kind of like slow motion, and then she lands on top of Kendall, and then he's like. Ah, 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 ah. You know, and it lands on him, and it's kind of slow motion, which is really effective. I think it's cool. Oh, it's very like, effective. And, and But what gets me about the scene is the cop just standing there, very slack-jawed, just kind of like, huh? <laughs> like, well, that's fucking peculiar. Yeah, that doesn't, 
I've never seen that before. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, I thought I saw everything. Well, I <laughs> right. put this in- so anyway. And it's not so, over at that point. The, 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 the twists is, are not over. So Go ahead. They cut, Go ahead. The black, <laughs> they, they cut the black. They come back. And now that corpse has got a, a sheet over it. And poor Kendall, he's there. He's shooken, but he's okay. Everybody's okay. We're back to happy ending time. And they're getting ready to walk out. And all of a sudden, yeah! This musical like sting. Sting! Hand comes up, grabs him by the crotch right through his jeans, and like basically denuts him. You know, just, yeah, you know, it just, fucking just rips, rips his stuff right off. Off him. And then, of course, he's. And then the ending shot is him slow motion again. And then it cuts. I mean, it's it's slow motions. And then it just cuts the black. And that's it. Oh, it's a very what the fuck moment. It's a very yeah. what the fuck moment. It's, it, 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 I, I, I still to this day don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> and I remember, I remember the first time I saw that in the theater. And, uh, and and I was like, we're laughing because because at first everybody's quiet, like it's like, huh? And then it's like, ah, everybody just starts laughing because it was it was great, it was great, it right. was cool, it was a great ending. It was like, oh okay, that, it's a great grind house. It's a great grind house type of ending. It's an ending that comes out of nowhere, hits you over the friggin' head like a sledgehammer, and then just you know cuts to the end is that great ending that just hey look at this boom no explanation now let let your mind sit and stew on it a little while and i love it too because you almost get like two endings like when that torso fall they could have ended it there you know well, that would have been it's then, very similar it, to a movie we reviewed uh, that scott temperman and i reviewed uh about a week ago we did maniac and Maniac has a very yeah. one-two punch kind of ending like that, where you think you just saw the ending, but you're, now you're going to get a little bit more. Ah, oh, perfect. That's perfect. I, I like that. I mean that, and that's a perfect analogy. That one-two punch. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you 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 already got an uppercut before before your knees can buckle and you can give up. You're getting another shot to the head. Right, you get one more to the jaw, and uh, and oh, it's it's good. That's and again. This movie in, and movies like this in general, you know, this is this is the thing that everybody talks about. You know, all oh, you know, the, this is the stuff that you know these driving type movies and these kind of shit movies that were so great. That's why they're so great. They got all that. You know, it's like and, yeah, and it's like it, there's, it, a it's really, ridic- there's a certain there's a certain what's the word I'm looking for? There's a certain ridiculousness to them that's just not present in, in modern day films anymore. And I think that's what I, I, I mean, not, not uh, dissing modern day films, but I think uh, that's just part of the, the allure to these older films. They are just that ridiculous and that crazy. And, you know, just like the, the, the Kung Fu scene just didn't need to be uh, explained. It never was, and it never will be. And right. certain, certain things that I want to point out that just make this film ridiculous, a few bullet points that I had written down was like, one, uh, an observation that that is the most well-maintained movie chainsaw in history. Starts off every time. So clean, so polished, 
I mean, Paul Smith at one point is just so lovingly like polishing his chainsaw. I wasn't even I didn't even know if he was a red herring or not at that point. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's in on this shit, too. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yeah, that was the one thing about that, though. I never there wasn't one second I, that I thought Paul Smith, the Willard character, was the red. I mean, was going to be the guy. I was like, no way. It's so obvious. There's no fucking way. Right. The guy, but then he would get he would he would just way he would polish that chainsaw. And I'm like, you know, I I I I I I think about it when I watch it now, you know, and I'm just like, as a kid, you know, you know, big scary guy with a chainsaw and a beard. Obviously, he's the killer. But you know, when you get to be uh, adults like we are, you know, it's just so painfully obvious. And one of the other ridiculous things we've already talked about the kung fu scene. That's utterly ridiculous. Um, the Kendall character, let's mention something about him. His only job given by the police detective is to watch Mary and protect her. So what's the first thing he does when, when there's a murder afoot? He leaves her with the number one murder suspect alone. <laughs> he leaves her alone to run off and check on something. So he doesn't yeah. do his job very well. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly what he does. <laughs> He does. He runs off and leaves her alone. And thankfully, when he comes back, Mary is still like, you know, alive and kicking because, you know, it was only the red herring that she got left with. But uh, first thing I think, like, you know, your your job is to watch her. I mean, that's not what he does. And I don't know. I, 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 I guess we could go on forever about how many ridiculous things there are in this. Uh, I guess from a technical standpoint, I have to say strong points uh, are not the dialogue, not the plot. Because there's very no. little dialogue. Uh, the dialogue is just ridiculous. It's good for a laugh. But uh, the strong points of the film is the sound design, the the editing, and the composition of the shots and the cinematography. And just the way the kills were executed in the stylish European flair that they have. Uh, again, it's all very lucid. It's very nightmare meets dream world kind of it's 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 that european flair i keep saying it over and over again <laughs> but uh you know you, you only found that in those uh late 70s early 80s uh european horror films oh i agree with you 100 percent. and i know we've said it like we keep saying it but that's kind of their those style and then having a european director you know this was definitely um uh, this definitely had that feel, and I think it's what makes the movie cool. You know, it could have been done by a lot of directors, but it was made by him, and he had his style, and it really made this movie. It, it, it's this movie's cool. You know, it, it really is, even with its faults and the cheesy shit. This is a fucking fun movie to watch. If you're into these movies, it's a unique film. I bet, I has, bet you. Uh, I bet you this what? is in the top of a lot of people's lists. Not maybe not number one, but it's up there, you know, like in ours, you know, we're like, oh, shit, yeah, those two pieces. Oh, yeah. It's like, because it, it's, it's that good. It was one you know of the first mean? films I, it was one of the first films I wrote down when I was thinking of the show when we were talking about what movies we wanted to do. It was one of the 10, 15 movies I wrote down of the ones that I wanted to do I, right I, off the top. <laughs> yep. But, uh, you know, and uh, J.P. Simone, we need to mention him yet again. Uh, he... Uh, he passed away in uh, 2011, I think it was. But, you know, he had a lot of credits, uh, a lot of writing credits. Uh, but as a director, I'd like to point out he did uh, two other 
favorite horror films of mine that I will probably review on here, time permitting, uh, at some point. He did Slugs, which was a great film that came out in yeah. 88, I think it was. But he did one. It's a, a little-known film, and I'd like to mention it here just for anybody to go seek out. I don't know where it's at, other than I have a VH copy of it, but uh, it's an H.P. Lovecraft that, adaptation called Thulu Mansion. Uh, if you've never uh, seen that one. Yeah, no, you have you seen not, that one? No, I have not seen that. Like, wow, that okay. was another European produced. Uh, J.P. Simone directed that one. Um, he wrote it based off uh, the H.P. Lovecraft stories. But um, the most remarkable thing I remember about it, other than this, I mean, it's, it's a great film, but it did starred uh, Melanie Shatner, who was uh, William Shatner's daughter. And she was oh, in a couple okay. of full moon films back in the day. She acted for a, a brief amount of time, but it, it's a good film. But it, uh, it's, it's no pieces, <laughs> and and oh, neither is Slugs. I mean, Slugs is another great film by JP, but I think this is his uh, opus. This is his masterpiece. And it's too bad that it never got a sequel because I, I dug around. I thought I remember reading that they had talked about doing a sequel. But apparently yeah. it never got much further than writing a treatment. I think that's, yeah, that's what I was reading, too, because I was looking at it, I was like, why wouldn't you want to do, and then I think. Because it made money. Um, it was a successful film. I mean, it had a budget of, like, 300000 I don't remember how much it made, but I think, like, in the records I was looking up, an opening weekend, it made, like, somewhere around 600000 So for a movie with $300,000 budget, it made it doubled its budget in one week. So, I mean, I think, obviously, they would have thought to have done a sequel, but... I think what had happened with the sequel is that um, he, had, he had something else he was going to finish up on or do something, or something happened. But when he went back to do the sequel, they were going to do it, and like the studios weren't interested, like they like they were, they were hot on it. Like when it was, you know, when the movie was hot. With, yeah, when the know, movie the was original. hot, but then it was kind of a matter yeah. of too little, too late. Yeah, it was kind of like that, and they didn't have an interest in it. And you know, he didn't. I think he just didn't have the financing for it. And it, I think it stayed in treatment stage, and it just kind of got dropped. And I was thinking, man, that would that have been a killer fucking sequel. You could have easily went off on that and. Oh, yeah, because let's face it, you mean, uh, just because your killer's alive, you, you've got that what-the-fuck ending that comes out of nowhere that you could definitely play off of. Hell, I've got a dozen ideas in my head alone for uh, right. a part two that I would like to do. I wonder if you could, I wonder if you could like, get into that and see if that would be possible to write up pieces, too. Like, I wonder if there's, you know, like, it would be a, a matter of find, finding out who owns the, the copyright and how much it would cost? It's all a matter of money, I'm sure. Oh, right, but that would. I don't be know the. I don't know the logistics of it, but man, I would. Mm, I would love to. <laughs> so whoever what. owns the rights to these films, if you're if you're out there, um, hit us up. We're a writing yeah. duo right here. We'll we'll, we'll take care it. of it we'll, for you. We'll write it for you. We're we're cheap. Right now, we're cheap. <laughs> so, we are yeah, very cheap. We are quarantine cheap. <laughs> And uh, uh, but that would be think about that though. If you heard there was you know a pieces two in the works, shit, your ears would be up. I'd be like, huh, really? What's going on here? You know, it'd yeah, be you know, cool I mean, to, after almost forty years, I'd be like, hell yeah, like bring it on. Where are they yeah. going to go with this shit? 
Yeah, there would be. Hmm. You could definitely have a. You could definitely work out the stories, you know, to that and keep it going. I think, but something to look into. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. But there. But again, yeah, yeah. actually, kind of, kind of makes so, me uh, interested and in want to get down and see who owns the rights. Some somebody does. Somebody's hey, got. Yeah, to. I mean, what, what the hell, man? You know what I mean? It's like well, you know why not? I mean, a sequel. It's like what, it's not. Yeah, it I mean, wouldn't cost anything to find out. <laughs> Right, and then of course oh. it would be if if you got the green light or somebody wanted was interested in it, it'd be fun as hell to write. Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, there's so many ways you could go with the story. It'd be fantastic. Oh my God! As a as a horror movie guy myself, that'd be like a dream come true to be uh, able to have a job to write a, a sequel or a reimagining or whatever uh, to something as iconic as Pieces. Yeah, my definitely. mind races at the possibilities. <laughs> Right. I mean, it doesn't need a reboot or a redo. Do a, a, a straight-up sequel. You know, like a straight-up, like, fucking sequel, a part two. A good old... Yeah, Kendall, old 40 years later, that doesn't right. be my... Him, 40 years later, still wandering around, missing his unit. <laughs> Wondering why this, like, undead Frankenstein woman ripped, ripped off his junk. Or Mary Riggs had a baby, and it turned out to be... Candles, kid. <laughs> there See, you now go. We got there it. you go. Ah, uh, there's so many possibilities. I'm gonna have to look. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah. On that note, uh, let's give our final review. Uh, last time you went first, so I'm gonna take the lead on this one. All right. Uh, I think it's obvious we both have a lot of love for this movie. It has a lot of the elements that I love in a good slasher giallo. I love good effects. I love realistic effects, and I like lots of them. This movie has that. It has interesting, inventive kills. It's very stylistically done. It has that lucid European-Italian flair that, in a film, I just love. It it seems almost like a missing Fulci film. Uh, the way it's directed is very Fulci-like, and I appreciate that. Um, the acting is a little off here and there with some of the the, the dub, the, the dubbing that's done, but that comes with your, your European films when they overdub everything. But um, I like it. It's, uh, it's cast well. Everybody plays their parts very well. Uh, the music is good. You know, again, uh, like our last film, I, I, I think the, the one thing that... Um, is a little lacking is in the writing department. You know, they, they knew their strengths. They played off the, the lucidness of the film and the effects, which is his strong points. The, the plot is a little weak and the dialogue is other than a few uh, kind of lines that just come off crazy and they're just so abstract. They're funny. Uh, I would, I, I like a little more colorful dialogue, but that being said, um, I give this an eight out of 10. Again, I feel it's a very solid film. It's uh, one of my favorites of this era. I agree with uh, everything you said on this. Uh, my yeah, my biggest drawback, um, without you know, without repeating what you just said, because I agree with everything you said. But yeah, the, the 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 thing on the film that's not you know is, I, and I think it's because they didn't have a full script. I think they worked. I think they improved a lot of stuff. Um, and, I think they did, yeah. <laughs> and, and which could work 
But I think that there was a lot of stuff that they just did on the fly, and I know that happens sometimes when you're doing stuff and you have to change stuff. But if that, yeah, they, the, I love dialogue too, and you know, and and I, you know, sometimes sometimes cheesy lines are funny, but sometimes when it's just kind of like you get, it's kind of like you know, it's like they work so hard on the effects and kind of you know lay down on the dialogue. <laughs> so it, right. yeah, know, yeah, they took a nap when they were writing the dialogue. <laughs> So I yeah that's the that's the least coolest part of the movie but I love the movie itself uh, so much as a whole so like I'm forgiving and I'm pretty easy going on stuff so I don't really hold really anything against it it's got its flaws but it it entertains the hell out of you and anybody into this kind of movie uh, certainly I think is going to dig it I know I did I know Cameron did and now I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a solid nine you know it's one of those favorites so. You know, uh, it's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the same as I nice. did the last one. I'm gonna give it a, I'm giving it a niner, and uh, I'm gonna hold solid on that. And other, but even with the flaws and the, some of the corny shit, uh, it's 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 one of the cooler films. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's out there. You can get on and watch it for free. Available on a couple streaming services, but I ended up watching it on Shutter. Uh, they got the the plain Jane version, and then they also got the Joe Bob Briggs uh, hosted version. Which, yeah, right. as always, Joe Bob Briggs hosted version is the way to go. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you can't go there. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's pretty much everywhere. There's a really good uh, Arrow uh, Blu-ray release of it that I don't own, but I intend to at some point. It's got a lot of uh, I, interesting extras. I've got a, a DV, DVD I bought a long time ago. I don't remember. If uh, what kind of uh, what kind of special features or anything, I don't remember. I remember that. I mean, I saw it in the theater years ago, and then I bought the DVD and I watched it off of that. So I don't, I don't know, but I'm sure it's cheap enough. You want to buy it, and I'm sure there's, if there's any, I'm going to look in and see because I'd like to see if there's any updated versions like you're talking about. Well, you know, the one I'm special. thinking of, I'm pretty sure it was uh, without cheating and looking online while we're talking, which I'm not going to do right now. <laughs> but uh, I want to say it was the Arrow video release because uh, the special edition of it, there was like a two disc or a three disc version that came with a little mini puzzle. That oh, re- yes, yeah, that, I that's heard a, that. a replica of the puzzle from. Yeah, I've, I've been on the search for one for quite a while. I I heard I yeah I heard about that thing when it come with the puzzle. I'm gonna look into that because yeah I'd like that I'd like to have that. That would be cool. That would be very cool. So. All right, I think that once again we've had a, a good show and talking about another fine film. We've been discussing the 1982 cult hit pieces. I am your host Cameron Scott, and this is my co-host Tom Commissar. Thank you again for joining us, Tom. Uh, we appreciate everything you you do for us here. <laughs> My pleasure. I had a great time, Cameron, and hope you guys enjoyed the show and go out and see pieces, and uh, we'll do this again sometime. Yep, we'll bring you something else uh, bloody and gory and goopy and nasty for the next edition. At the Grindhouse Pizzeria. All right.